Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige podcast. This time we're talking about the 2015 boxing film Southpaw. This is a commissioned podcast commissioned by uh, one Dr. DeVito. We'll get to his comments here in a minute. Uh, it's directed by Antoine Fuqua, who uh, got his start with uh, Coolio and Gangster's Paradise. Remember that song? <laughs> sure. Michelle Pfeiffer teaching them kids, teaching them kids. Uh, then he moved on to Training Day with Denzel Washington. He's also done a few Equalizer films with Denzel. Uh, he's also behind the 2016 remake of The Magnificent Seven, which I enjoyed quite a bit. It was written by Kurt Sutter, who you might remember as being one of the head writers on S.H.I.E.L.D., and he was a showrunner for Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Um, this movie was scored by James Horner, and this has the distinction of being one of the last of his uh, distinguished career because he died shortly after. In fact, this film was, uh, along with Magnificent Seven, who he also scored, uh, this was uh, a, a, among his last films. Uh, they were all released posthumously. Mm-hmm. Uh, it stars Jake Gyllenhaal, he of Donnie Darko, Spider-Man Far From Home. And that's just a podcast that we've done him on. Uh, Velvet Buzzsaw, we also did that uh, <laughs> Netflix movie. He's also yeah. been a Nightcrawler, Ockjaw, and we'll be doing Brokeback Mountain really soon. I think next week. Yeah. Uh, so be on the lookout for that film podcast coming out. Forrest Whitaker, uh, Good Morning Vietnam, Bloodsport, Last King <laughs> sure. of Scotland, Roadsport. Well, you know, really... <laughs> Blew his career wide open in blood sport. Sure did. It sure did. Uh, Naomi Harris, who I most recognize as the witch Tia Dalma from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the lady that grows real big and then explodes into crabs. And then she's also <laughs> the money penny from most of the modern Bond films. Nice. Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. He needs no introduction. Sure. You can find him He's in the, in the club, club, right? If you, if, if you need to meet him. Uh, Una Lawrence, a child actor who I haven't really seen in much else, to no. be honest. I didn't recognize any of her performances. Um, Rachel McAdams, Mean Girls, The Notepad, Time Traveler's Wife, True Detective Season 2. She's great. Um, this, again, I, I said this movie was sponsored by Dr. DeVito. Uh, he's a long-term uh, supporter of Bald Move, uh, commissioned several podcasts, a dentist, Lego enthusiast. All around great guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Back to to commission another boxing film. Um, do we want to talk about what we thought about the movie, or maybe I, we can uh, maybe, maybe I can just let uh, Doctor Devito introduce it for us because he's got yeah. some statements. That sounds great. The doc says Southpaw is a 2015 boxing movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal as Billy the Great Hope. Sports movies in general involving teams tend to skew towards comedy as you don't have enough screen time to dedicate to telling the individual stories of, say, 10 or more uh, characters. So while I'm not a big fan of the boxing as a sport, I do love the ability of a boxing movie to be the simple man versus his own inner demons and that uh, and can that man find a way to overcome them as a stand in for whatever opponent he is set to fight. The Rocky franchise films that are widely respected. The entry point is sometimes too much for a novice cinema fan who'd have to sit through over 12 hours of the Rocky saga, not including Creed. So while Southpaw isn't breaking new ground in the boxing drama department, the question is, does it do it well enough? Southpaw hits on every Rocky trope there is from all six movies, but since they're a bit jumbled up here and there in a condensed form, which parts of which Rocky movie will be the end for Southpaw? I believe for that for many people, having fights on screen look like actual actual modern fights with big production, boxing, boxers taking punches makes a huge difference to the casual fan as it emulates what they're familiar with rather than early Rocky movies taking place with something like only 20 extras and a darkened crowd with big haymakers landing <laughs> a half foot away from their target. Yeah. 
Southpaw does have this in spades with big real life fight production, sketchy managers there to take advantage to the next payday and a family storyline that will tear the heart out of any human parent. I think this is an underrated gem of a film that deserves its place in a cinematic cinematic boxing ring. And I hope you can find something relatable with it. Uh, again, thank you for commissioning the podcast. Uh, and uh, let's talk about it. Jim, what did you think of Southpaw? Uh, I liked this movie. I feel Dr. DeVito when it comes to like, hey, all of the boxing tropes have been done. Uh, and this movie doesn't break any new ground in boxing tropes, that's for sure. Um, doesn't create any new tropes of its own. Just kind of leans on the shoulders of the Giants before it, especially stuff like a Raging Bull. I mean, I if I had to compare a sort of one-to-one, it'd be more Raging Bull than really any of the Rockies, though I, I see the Rocky stuff in there. Um, and, you know, we just covered Raging Bull recently, so I, I kind of had a good perspective on that. And I, I think where this movie really shines is the family drama stuff, because um, the boxing is good. Like The boxing itself, I'm not talking about the technique. I'm talking about the parts of this movie that are boxing are good. Mm-hmm. They're not amazing um the the stuff that really shines is the family stuff and this relationship he has with his daughter and some of the events that take place in this movie are truly heartbreaking i mean it it seemed like when i was watching this movie every other scene was just a a gut-wrenching event um and we'll talk more about that in the spoilers but yeah, I, I mean, this this got uh, the room a little smoky a few times and it's mm-hmm. movies are pretty few and far between that do that to me. So I don't know. Ant- Antoine or I should say Kurt Sutter, the guy who wrote this, really knows how to like pull emotions out of the audience. I remember The Shield, which he had a lot of uh, wrote like 17 episodes or something of it and was a staff writer on there. Uh, that show has a lot of moments like that. And, and surprising moments and moments um, where, yeah, you really feel for the character. And there's a lot of family dynamics in there, too. Um, I haven't seen Sons of Anarchy, but a lot of people love that show. And he's the, the creator of that show. So, I don't know. It worked for me. What do you think? Uh, I thought it was really good. And uh, I don't know. Maybe this movie, like, because I, I saw that coming up a lot in, like, Rotten Tomatoes and some of the other reviews and people talking about it, that it is, like, in does indulge in a lot of boxing movie tropes. But I felt mm-hmm. like it not really subverted, but gave some new twists on it. Like, the fact that, uh, uh, man, I, I, I don't want to spoil it because there's a couple early twists that really, really yeah. took me by surprise. And that's what I, I guess, like, um, when you think of a tropey movie, you think of something being very predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think what the doc is here saying is like, you know, which of the Rocky movies are they going to end? Because like, there's different levels of devastation. This movie could arrive at at the end. Yeah. And there's also different levels of redemption. And I think that up until the final minutes, you don't really know. You sure. don't really know because this film does feel very realistic. Um, and the other thing is like, you know, it's, it's, boxers with disadvantaged backgrounds like you know, of, of course like, like almost all of them sure anyone that has like a chance at a college degree and a good career and has a good family from a good neighborhood is probably not going to be like hey you know what let's get in the ring and bash ba- uh, bash each other's brains in and stuff mm-hmm. like that so it's like usually you've got people with with um some some problems 
But like this, like I took it to the new level, like essentially everyone in a family comes from institutionalism, you know, foster homes and that system. And and it's like I've seen boxing movies where it's frustrating and the protagonist behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is, too, but it's frustrating and but in an entirely relatable way. Like when this guy gets spun up, it's like I'm frustrated, but. It's one of those things where like, I used to, and you can hear this a lot in my, my early Walking Dead. I, get, I got very judgy with people that uh, lack a certain mental and emotional strength. But it's like, you know, if I watched a mom who's five foot nothing and she's got a hold of her three-year-old and the three-year-old's getting swept away in a river, right? And she can't <laughs> hold on because she's not physically strong enough. I wouldn't run up and be like, you dumb bitch. I can't believe you let your daughter go in the river. But right. I felt like, especially when I was younger, I made that mistake with mental and emotional fortitude mm. where it's like, why the fuck are you acting like this crazy person? Yeah, sure. You might be provoked, but don't you understand your daughter's on the line or something like that? Yeah. This guy just doesn't like he doesn't have those muscles built up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got opposite muscles to protect him from the crazy trauma from the. So it's like I thought that stuff was really interesting. Um, and like your frustration or helplessness is is mirrored into protagonists. and also. We talked about this in a pre-podcast. Um, I don't think of Jake Gyllenhaal often when I think of my favorite actors, but when I look back at yeah. his entire body of work, mm-hmm. he's got so many bangers and he's done so much interesting shit yeah. um, that, and he's just utterly convinced. I would never have thought that, that that's for one of the first things I thought of Southpaw. I was like, Jake Gyllenhaal is a fucking, <laughs> even a light middleweight heavyweight boxer for real. Really? Yeah. Donnie Darko? For real. But he pulls it off, man. Oh, yeah. No, he's the best part of this movie for sure. Um, and in as much as it works, it works because of his performance. Uh, he, he disappears into the role for me, as he always does, which is both, you know, a blessing and a curse for him, right? It means he's yeah. a great actor, but it also means you don't think of him as like having the standout defining roles because he's just the character. Yep. Uh, the movie has a great antagonist. Um, that's also kind of believable and understandable. And I think that makes, cause like, you know, by the time the third act gets around to starting and like they start pumping the Eminem in there and we're getting ready for the big <laughs> fight, you want to see like Forrest Whitaker says, you want to see this guy beat his ass, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the other thing that I, I guess that you got to talk about in a boxing movie and, uh, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not trying to rush it into the spoiler territory. But um, the boxing itself, what did you sure. think of the boxing in this movie? I, I'm not a boxer. Uh, I don't know much about boxing technically, but I've seen a few matches and this stuff looked pretty good to me. I, I would say it's definitely not Rocky level, right? It's not them throwing haymakers and missing by five yards, but or, or taking 100 haymakers to the face over and over and over for for 12 rounds. Uh I've probably seen better, but this was quite good. I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's like, but like, I'm also thinking, tr- struggling to think of where I have seen better. Uh, yeah. God, I need to go back and watch Cinderella Man because I remember think when I saw that, thinking that the mm. boxing of that movie was really good. Um, but I think this boxing is pretty good because, like, mm-hmm. he is just landing haymaker after him taking so many punches at the beginning. But that's kind of like his style. Right. It's getting him in trouble. And this movie is all about like Forrest Whitaker. You know, not to spoil anything, but teaching him <laughs> defense, cover mm-hmm. up, son, you know, and the way uh, he has a very unconventional covering style too, which <laughs> I thought, yeah, which that I thought shoulder it, just like cocked up. 
Yeah, remember we used to play Fight Night and we're like, you know, every once in a while you could choose, you could make a custom boxer and there's like a bunch of different stances and every once in a while uh-huh. it's like, how the fuck is a defense <laughs> like that supposed to work? He's kind of right. rocking one of those weird like 12 for 13th variation of a boxing defense, but it looked cool. And I think that's an, another part of uh, the boxing movie is when I think about like why I like boxing movies, it was always fun to emulate. And like, there's some mm-hmm. gorgeous shots of like knockouts with like the big arc of saliva and blood coming out and it's all in <laughs> slow motion. And, and I can see it being a lot of fun, like having that squirrely kind of like 100% defensive style counter punch. Um, the training was also really good because that's the other Is funny it? thing. Okay. I, yeah, I, I well, just I mean, don't, I don't know, know enough to tell. I've only because I did do some boxing training uh-huh. in my early 30s and like it wasn't like, you know, Mickey, like, you want to box, <laughs> chase em. these chickens, rock. <laughs> right. Here's a bunch of chickens. Chase them. Now punch, those sla- punch those slabs of beef rock. You know, it's like he's doing like yeah, the the bob and weave drill with the rope and the, right. the comment. It's like it's it looked really realistic, especially someone trying to break someone down and like teach him a new style. Mm-hmm. So like. I thought that stuff was pretty good. I mean, it is a lot of Hollywood, but um, like the doc says here, the way like, you know, when you're having a big Vegas fight, it feels like a big Vegas fight. It does. I mean, down to branding and shit, right? It's an HBO right. presentation. It's got the the ringside announcers you're used to um, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I thought like Rachel McAdams. I love Rachel McAdams. Yeah. And I think she's great in the role that she plays in this film. Incredible. Yeah. Um, like you really get the idea that she is kind of like, uh, his higher brain functions. Yeah. You know, like she, she, she is just tries to keep him out of trouble, tries to keep his anger and, uh, away and redirected and focused and, 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 um, and she's just great. I, and there's another person who's such a, go ahead. I, sorry. I, I was gonna say she's not like the, the parts that impressed me about that stuff was their relationship outside of the ring. Um, mm-hmm. Like she, she's always there with him by like ringside, uh, you know, cheering him on and stuff. But then when they come out of the fight, there, there isn't this like Jake LaMotta style, violent relationship here. Right. Even though he is a, uh, can be an angry guy and a violent guy. It, it doesn't happen in that relationship. And I, I liked that. It was kind of fresh in a way. Yeah, and um, she's not like, oh, Rock, you can't fight again. You can't. She's more like her right. concerns are like almost like a manager's concerns. Like, yeah, you yeah. can fight, but you got to like, look, but if you keep taking, if you keep slowing down and try to fight like you're 20, you're going to get punch drunk. You're going to get, right. you're going to end up like Muhammad Ali and you got a, a daughter and like, she's the voice of reason, not voice of like, oh my God, clutching my pearls. I got to keep you tied to my apron strap, which I think that a lot of the the women in boxing movies had that yeah. thankless task of like, they're essentially the secondary antagonist trying mm-hmm. to defeat the boxer mentally and emotionally where she's just, uh, building him up, keeping him focused, keeping him, yeah. uh, keeping him sane and sober and clean. Um, and it, it needs to work because of what happens in this movie later on. Yes. That relationship absolutely has to feel it's, like there is love and affection and support from both sides. And it does that those yeah. actors pull that off. And I thought that the daughter is a really first of all, it's really good casting because it feels like a plausible thing. That, like if I blend in Jill yeah. and Adams, this might pop out. Um, uh, and she's also got like a lot of like, you know, she has to go to some angry places um, and she is this, you know, for better or worse, the daughter of this guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought she did really well. Um, and focusing on like the the focus between the daughter and the uh, father, it's a, it's a lot better than like you know Rocky versus 
uh, Adrian, you know, like mm-hmm. have, having this guy not wanting to let down his daughter, not want to traumatize his daughter. Um, it, it, it's it, it's good. So like I said, it's like it is a little tropey, but it also uses the tropes in kind of a fresh new way. The boxing is good. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is just really magnetic to, to watch. Um, it is. I will say that it is frustrating in the exact same way that if you've ever had like a hot headed relative or friend that is always in their own way and it's like you know it's like you know what they're a great guy they are when you yeah. know they're not but like they can't deal with like fucking being triggered by shit um yeah that self-destructive it's, it's, streak that he goes through at one point in this movie was tough to watch and there's a forrest whitaker solilo- soliloquy that's like just pitched right down my fucking home plate as far as like yeah that's 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 the thing this is a it's a rigged game but it's the only game in town. So like the tension between trying to give people like, as you know, he's one of those uh, trainers. It's all about trying to teach children and get them on this, uh, you know, try to keep them playing the rigged game because, you know, one out of every hundred times it'll pay out and 99 out of a hundred, the other just, just not playing the game won't. So I like that stuff too. Um, And I thought he was a really good, like a different kind of boxing manager. Um, He's not he's not Clint Eastwood. He's not he's not Mick. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's his own kind of guy. And I like that. Yeah. Play playing a character that I feel like I've seen in Forrest Whitaker play a few times. I I, I don't know. It's just like something about the the eye and the voice Mm -hmm. and it's distinctive. I don't know that Forrest Whitaker has an eye or a voice anymore as like a a human being. (laughs) I haven't seen him in a while outside of like Rogue One. And I feel like he had the same voice in Rogue One, right? No, he, he he's got that really weird kind of like affected accent that he sometimes does, where he's like, "Oh, I see you but are it's here like to raspy get... and barely there." It, but it's like, like he's forcing it out. Uh-huh. And we're here is like, I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. It's like uh, instead of being some kind of sh- high Shakespearean dude, he's just a broken down boxer from the '70s, but he's still got the Force <laughs> Whitaker filter right. on him. Uh, yeah. I found it really hard sometimes during this movie to understand what either of them are saying because Jake Gyllenhaal is uh, some, these two mumble fucks barely utter their words. They don't move their mouths. And I didn't have they subtitles on this. each other a lot. Right. Like a lot of the court scenes like the, you know, like the like uh, or the you know, you'll have someone like trying to like patiently and Jake's just losing his fucking shit and, you know, t- ripping stuff up and tearing stuff up. So, yeah. Yeah. Sub- subtitles are nice especially when you're getting older and your ears are sh- getting shot and the disparity between like the action scenes in volume but between the action scenes and the quiet mm-hmm. scenes is there and so i'd have to ride the the volume switch mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh what else we got to say non-spoilery uh do you think do you think fitty is pissed that he got fewer songs on the soundtrack than eminem <laughs> I think I think the 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 50 cent uh-huh. is really happy that he's like super fucking rich from vitamin water and he's sure. not like super interested in getting his tracks played right now. He's interested yeah. in getting paid, being that promoter guy where yeah, he's he's moved he's he's moved up a level or two. So uh plus like don't they aren't they all part of the aren't they all part of the same label like owners and stuff? So like he's probably getting paid no off Eminem working. So right. <laughs> it's probably a pretty sweet deal. They're, they're all in the shady manager? aftermath. Oh. Dr. Dre kind of stable, I think. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that's, th- did you, 
read anything about the making of this movie or trying to get this movie made because it was in like pre-production hell for a little while, like tossed around to a bunch of different studios that were all like, oh yeah, we'll make this movie and then didn't and then passed it on to another one. Uh, and I read that this movie was specifically made for Eminem to star in, to play oh, Billy Hope. Oh, I can which, see that. Right? Right? It, like it, and it was, it was inspired shit. by that fucking album he did about like his daughter and his, the, you know, uh-huh, the hard yeah, luck yeah, case yeah, that sure. he was during his early life and all that. And they just like couldn't get it developed over like a span of six years, eight, I don't know, a long time. And then eventually Eminem was like, eh, I'm out. I'm going to go concentrate on my music uh, in like 2012 or something. And then they signed on uh, Jake Gyllenhaal for it and eventually Honestly, got it made. I don't know how good an actor Eminem is when he's not playing himself. But uh, like, right. I can't help but think this was a huge upgrade. It, right. right. Nothing against Mr. Mathers. But like, is he Jake Gyllenhaal? Is he an probably uh, a, not Academy, Academy Award winner slash nominee? Great in eight um, mile. I really like that. But yeah, he's yeah. just playing himself in eight mile. Um, I don't know. So yeah, that was an interesting bit of trivia. And then to see like his songs on the soundtrack and his music in this movie, it's like, okay, I, I see what you did there. And then like, apparently yeah, he, had the rights already pre-cleared and yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh-huh. He was like, Oh yeah, use whatever my shit you want. Um, and then after he saw the movie, Eminem was like, Oh yeah, Jake crushed it. So he had no problem with them doing that. Um. Okay. Anything else we want to say, non-spoiler, before we kind of dive into the big stuff? Because I, I was gonna say, like, I I don't feel like I need to describe this movie. It's Jake Gyllenhaal. He's a boxer. Yeah. Comes from a rough rough background. A little bit of a hothead. Uh, Gets that, into some that, trouble. Uh, Has to fight his way back he, out of when it. When you mix big money and big ambitions with that kind of like you know lower middle uh lo- lower class uh upbringing and and rough around the edges that never goes well, right? <laughs> It'd so, be a pretty boring movie if he was just like. The champion at the start, and he just fought his matches. He never lost, and he never had any trouble. And then the movie ended. <laughs> that's true, because like it's yeah, like because that's the thing is like this guy as a boxer doesn't go through much of an arc. He starts them. Yeah, okay, we're gonna start spoiling yeah, yeah. the movie. So if you want to watch this movie, uh, cut it out now and come back and see us. But but to your point, yeah, there's not much of an arc in the boxing. He starts off as the world champ. Well, there wouldn't. He be ends the movie as if, the world champ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's one out. of those inverse like tales, right? Where you're you go from the high to the low to the high again. So, yeah, and it's like it's all the uh, the, the the real development of uh, him as a character happens, as you said, outside the ring. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about that because you know I'd known this like I I, I this has been something that I've been wanting to watch because I do like boxing movies and um it's been out for a while now so I've been and then we got the com- you know the commission um and I'm like oh yeah I like the Jake Gyllenhaal he's always solid and I've heard the boxing's pretty good and man I really love Rachel McAdams so I'm like I'm going to be locked in so I'm sitting here watching the movie start up Rachel McAdams dying in like what 15 <laughs> 20 minute mark <laughs> Yeah, it's I like, did not because she's on the poster. She mm-hmm. was in all of like the 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 promotional stuff for this stuff. Um, didn't she get? I I feel like she got a. Uh, did it, did did no one get any kind of uh, Oscar nominations? For no, this movie though? wasn't nominated for any Academy Awards. Okay, okay, but like I remember, you know, she was a big part of the the trailers and stuff. So like, I was shocked that they essentially fridged her 
mm-hmm. uh, to to develop his character. But it's one of those things where it's like I think it's an excusable case of fridging because, like we said in the outset, the her role was essentially to be his higher brain functions that she keeps yeah. him from doing something self-destructive and crazy when people provoke him uh, either out in public or professionally or whatever. She's the one that can kind of like calm him down. Great story. They grew up together in the foster system of Pennsylvania. Um, They've essentially loved each other since they were 12 and 13. They've been at each other's side the whole time through his whole career, a successful Mm -hmm. career. What he's has like 41 yeah, uh, in the forties. Oh, a, perf- a perfect career. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're rich, and they have this daughter, and all that kind of stuff. And some upstart hothead punk starts. And I always wonder about this shit every time I see, like, you know, everyone's posse going at each other and a weigh in or something. I'm like, one of these days, mm-hmm. someone's going to pull a knife or a gun, and that's what happens here. And she gets killed. I that was such a first of all kudos to the movie for keeping that spoiler i guess out of the public consciousness not including i don't i don't think it was in the trailer maybe it was i don't know there's some stuff in the trailer that's like very (laughs) very much the end of this movie which is strange but yeah huh okay because i admit and maybe it's just been that i forgot about it but i was genuinely shocked yeah and it was it had me like jake gyllenhaal just reeling yeah you know because it's like i was like oh she's shot but she's not going to die. Oh, uh, she's going to die. But like, yo, know, he's still got the mansion. He's got 50 cent looking after him. And but then all that shit goes to shit. And he loses his dog. Like. And they set this guy up as like someone who can't deal with this kind of adversity and like mm-hmm. negativity. And like he's being forced to. And this is like this is why the criminal justice system sucks, because there's no sliding. Like the judge is going to act like. You got to demand or support. You got to know how to uh, have uh, comport yourself and have decorum, regardless of whether you came from an Ivy League school or from the fucking foster care system. Right. And just how just how traumatic that must be to be a product of that system and see your daughter go into it and mm-hmm. also know it. It's kind of your own damn fault. Yeah. Um, It's kind of a miracle. He's able to pull himself out of that. I just thought it was like I, I thought that was the most compelling thing is just his journey of trying to learn the rules of this outside fighting without having his coach that he's trusted his, his wife for all these years. Right. Um, And, and his other coaches, right? Like I, there's, he loses literally. And Forrest Whitaker says it's everything he loves, right? Um, his daughter's taken to foster care. His wife dies. Uh, his old trainer and his old manager have abandoned him, right? Because he's, lost it suspended indefinitely so like that's made sense right can't can't box anymore like everything is gone um so yeah (laughs) there's a a big downward slide and then boy the climb out of that seems bleak in fact there's a couple points in this movie where i thought like this is going to stop becoming a boxing film like when he got the gun and went after that guy i'm like oh jesus he might shoot kill this guy and then like it's jake gyllenhaal in jail yeah uh that's just like i I I never and I I like this about the movie. I never quite knew what trajectory the movie was on and where we we're going to land. And they do but some where, cool misdirect stuff too. Um, you talked about you know, uh, Rachel McAdams dying early on. Before that, they're doing some misdirect stuff where I was like, okay, where is this movie going with this? Mm-hmm. I know he's got to take a fall here somewhere. But they're doing things with like, oh, he gets hit in the side a lot. They're showing like. Mm marks on his kidneys and, and him mm-hmm. spitting up blood the next day after the fight. And I'm like, 
oh boy, he's going to get, you know, severely hurt, having to go to the hospital and like, you know, take him out of his boxing career for a while. I did not see the haymaker coming, which was her dying. Yeah, especially since it was, it happened so fast and matter of factly, it's like you didn't, there wasn't like, yeah. It's just one of those things where it's like I was honestly shocked when he's like, what's wrong? It's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she got fucking shot. Um, and the fact that like no one was held accountable for it was, yeah. int- uh, I thought, interesting. Though, like there was not as far as I can tell, like, I mean, maybe there's investigation. There was an investigation, but no one is talking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Billy wanted to settle it on the streets. So they had that. Um, but yeah, that I thought was a really great engine because it immediately, cause that that's what I'm like, well, because these guys were in so much love and there was like no real bubbles and troubles in a relationship before. So I'm like, well, mm-hmm. gosh, what are they going to do? This is already subverting my expectations for Rachel McAdams to be just this huge, you know, downer wet blanket character. And then they kill her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was super effective, especially because oh, yeah. Rachel McAdams is just so good. She's right. just like infinitely patient with this guy. Um, I don't know whether she went all the th- she just she did all the therapy and he just did all the fighting because like she's just like uh, on another level about being able to calm him down and communicate and keep him his eyes on the prize and what's actually important. Something that like um, they 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 have a nice parallel like for, like Forrest Whitaker learns to do that for him too. Mm-hmm. Like there's this thing at the end where like late in the final fight he's saying you know like God's watching you. Uh, Mo's watching you. I'm watching you. you. Your daughter's watching you. Like you know, like this. Don't let this. And he's like, it's all prefixed by him giving that speech about like everything I say to these kids is bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, but this guy does actually. You you are the one in control. You do have the agency. Don't give this other guy control. Mm -hmm. Don't make it to where he can just say fuck your dead wife and you're gonna lose this fight and traumatize your daughter because this other. That's I thought that stuff was great. Like him, like also Force Whitaker had to talk himself into it uh-huh. because everything like there's a couple like everything he knows about this guy is like this is going to be a lost cause. And like it you, there, it takes a piece out of him every time he invests in a kid or a project. And then there's like, you know, one of them gets killed in, in the movie and sends him in a spiral like that's got to just tear your heart out, especially yeah. since, you know, what they're, you're selling them is kind of like broadly speaking bullshit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his, his gym is a place also like. I think most boxing gyms are, um, especially in places like Hell's Kitchen, the, the worst neighborhoods, mm-hmm. um, a, a place of like community for for kids and stability for kids. Um, yeah, it's essentially an after school program, you know. Right, right. With when your parents can't take care of you, you come to the gym and you learn life skills and you learn how to discipline, you know, be your own respect. master, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and. There, there are moments in there where Forrest Whitaker doesn't even want to take him in because, like, there, there's a lot going against that, right? They, they, may, they don't like make a huge point of it, but they talk about how one of the guys that Jake Gyllenhaal fought w- did not win technically, but Jake Gyllenhaal says he beat me, and the only reason we got the call from the refs is because my manager paid him off. Yeah, fifty cent fixed the fight. So now he's coming to this guy telling him, "Yeah, we fixed the fight." Uh, so many years ago where your protege could have beat my beat me and then mm-hmm. I need you to train me now and so there's like a lot of I guess forgiving that Forrest has to do uh, over the course of this movie uh, with, oh, especially, with Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal 
the whole first meeting where Jake rolls in is like, yeah, I'm the former number of heavyweight and you're going to be thrilled. Like it's like right. going into a pot, like uh, Apollo's uh, manager and, you know, mm-hmm. expecting him. It's like, no, nah, that's not how it works. And he's like the way it's like, you know, here's. It's funny because he's like. <sighs> it's one of those things where it's like a lot of times these types of guys will say anything. Yeah, because that's what they they said they say uh, and and to get what they want right. And Forrest Whitaker sees this because he's like, "Look, man, we don't allow people swearing here. You saw that kid doing. Uh, we don't let that. There's no showing up late. There's no like, you know, are you fucked up right? And of course he's fucked up. Mm-hmm. You got to be sober. And he's like, "I'll do anything. I'll do anything. I'll work as hard as you want. I'll do anything." He's like, "All right, we'll start start scrubbing out the toilets. You fucking want me to scrub out to? <laughs> I'm Fuck the heavyweight champion of the world. Fuck yeah. this fu- and it's like he's like forced like, yep, I knew it. You said you're going to do, but you can't even you can't even back that promise up five minutes because you're so fucking bug eyed crazy. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, you kind of got like break the stallion and and get him to respect before you can like you know. But yeah, and it's not like at the end of the movie. Like I don't feel like Billy hopes out of the out of the woods. It's like mm-hmm. he has started on a new path that that might be better for him and his daughter but it's still going to be like every day on the street fucking people punking him it's going to be a challenge yeah. you know because he's still got that hothead he's still and a lot of it's not like he's you know maybe it's genetic but all of it, a lot of it's probably getting abused in the foster system sure you know yeah. you don't feel like you have any possessions that are yours the other kids steal them the other kids like you know fucking lie and cheat and the the the, the parents and the uh um uh, the, the caretakers like it's and then you know seeing this like i said his daughter going from like sleeping in a mansion to being in this group home yeah she thinks it sucks that was uh, some of the stuff to, the the stuff that was tough to watch like him dealing with the fact that his daughter doesn't even want to see him mm-hmm. she's disgusted you know at his behavior and where things are at and like saying he hates her and slapping him in the face and all this shit like whew, that's that the stuff speech that you know forrest Whitaker gives him about you know it's it's weird Forrest has a strange way of communicating in this movie it's like a lot of sort of broken thoughts and just like implications of thoughts but there's that scene where they sit down in the bar and he says look essentially says in not so many words look you gotta let your daughter hate you because she's processing this just as much as you are and if you make this about you for her she's gonna hate you even more and she might hate you forever so you gotta you got to step back a little bit from this. Let her figure this out to the point where she can see you without thinking about her mother and how, you know, this is fucked up. Uh, and, and eventually this might come back around. And I'm, you know, we talk about like Jake Gyllenhaal being a hothead in this movie and Billy Hope not being able to deal with, you know, minor like perturbances in his life without his wife. But also, he does a pretty good job with that. I, I'm actually surprised how much he listens to uh, Tick's advice in this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and it takes a minute, right? He it he's reluctant at first. Through. Sometimes he's got to tear up bar and walk out pissed and come back thirty seconds later. But he does <laughs> come back, right? And I've seen characters yeah. in movies be the exact opposite of that. Like, I'll fuck up this entire bar. I'll walk out and I'll never think about you again, and right. it'll ruin my life. But right. there's something in him, and I I don't know what it is. It's it's clearly his daughter, and by the end of this movie, his daughter has become, not in gross terms, but his wife, right? She she fulfills the role in his life that his wife did with keeping him on track. 
And importantly, he realizes that and starts to course correct the other direction. Like, no, it's not your job to take care of me. True. Like what your mom said, it's actually completely reverse. And uh, yeah. And like, the thing is, like a lot of times, like I felt like they did a good job of like, by the time the court takes uh, his daughter away from him, you're like, because a lot of the movies that seems like un- un- unjust and like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's maybe should have been better, but like. That scene where he goes off and tries to kill the dude, craps out, then wrecks himself in a car, comes home, collapses, and, and his daughter finds him like that. Yeah. And she's like, this is just a week, like, what, a week or two, maybe a couple days after her mom was killed. And now she sees his dad on a broken, bloody heap in the floor. He right. is traumatizing her. Mm-hmm. The shit that he's putting her through, she's screaming, daddy, daddy, what's happened? I don't know. And he's passed. Like when the judge took him away, like I, it, it sucks, but like, I'm like, yeah, that's probably broadly speaking for the best. Uh, and how traumatic yeah. the court scene was where like the right. daughter, like real, like him and his daughter realizing at the same time that this is the last and he can't even hug her goodbye because the bailiffs are stopping and he can't even, mm-hmm. it's a fucking, it was emotional, but also like, yeah, this is kind of what needs to happen. Um, I thought not a lot of films take the care to make you kind of like turn against a protagonist yeah. uh, the way they did to show you that this guy this isn't he needs to he needs to really like reevaluate and think because he used his wife as a crutch you know like his wife was like for his sure. externalized personal development um, but at the same time they never make you root against him right I, I always understand yeah. why he's feeling this way and why he's doing these things yes they're self-destructive yes He'd be much better off if he didn't do these things, but also, fuck. I mean, look at what happened. You know, I get it. Structurally, this um, Naomi Harris and Forrest Whitaker are essentially doing dual roles. They're both his trainer. Mm -hmm. Like, there's that scene, you know, like just as Forrest comes in and is like, oh, you're doing anything, clean out the toilets. He's like, fuck the, you know, when he's like just begging to do anything to manipulate her and letting him see his daughter, he's just like, I'm a fucking mess. I'm a fucking mess. I can't do this. She's like, do you want your daughter to see you as a fucking mess? Yeah. Is this is this is this a, a good interaction for her? Like she's breaking him down on the family side the same way to Forrest Whitaker's breaking him down on the defensive sweet science of boxing side. Mm-hmm. And I thought that re- that parallel to the structure where he's improving in both phases and he's both got like mentors on both phases. Um, I thought that stuff played out really, really well because it's brutal. Like seeing him come like yeah. having that like light bulb moment of like you seeing your daughter is not the important thing here you getting yourself to where you can take care of yourself and your daughter that's the important thing mm-hmm. um and uh yeah i, I thought that's the, that was that was really great um, and there's just another there's so many good lines where like uh you know billy hope's trying to like talk force with atticus into like training him uh for this big you know title shot he's got at vegas and He's like, I can't do this without you. And Dick says, I can't do this with you, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not listening to what I say. Like, yeah, I, I appreciate that. But like you, I thought that stuff was re- really good. And it made it, it, it put the ball into uh, Jake's court. Yeah. Uh, like it's never felt like, again, like, like just like the movie, the movie never turns you against Jake. It's like, he's just always at a crossroads. Like every 15 minutes yeah. of this movie, he's at a crossroads where it's like, is he going to be strong enough? To, to, to make this next milestone of development. Yeah, there, there were a couple of things that 
surprised me during this movie other than you know Rachel McAdams death uh, one of them was how quickly a life that seems so stable can just crumble out from under you mm-hmm. um, it, it, it always amazes me that guys like this with this much money and this much at stake don't have just like a million bucks tucked into some safe deposit boxes and cash that nobody can touch and if things go wrong, they got the backup plan, right? That's my backup I, plan. I think that if I'm reading between the lines, 50 Cent cleaned them out a bit. Like, he's For living sure, a lavish like, lifestyle. I'm taking the cash and I'm putting it in my pockets in the form yeah. of safe deposit boxes. Like, this is mine. No one knows it's there. I'm keeping it for for the hard luck times. And well, But that's this. So, so like, I, did you watch that documentary on, like, athletes and their money that came out in ESPN? This is like, I don't think so. Early years of, of uh, is it ESPN documentary, and I forget what it's called. Was it a 30 for 30? It was one of 30 for 30s, and it was okay. about, uh, and like, I guess what, like, a problem with pe- when you come from, like, a, a lower class background, working class background, is a lot of times people don't trust banks and institutions. They're going to rob you blind. It's whatever you always said. They're, they're foreclosed on your house. They evict you. They do this shit. Mm-hmm. But what you can trust is your cousin. Or a best friend, but like you know yeah. what, the banks have like laws and and disclosures and fiduciary responsibilities. You know what your cousin's got blood, <laughs> and so maybe that's thicker in water. Maybe, maybe it's not, but and you know maybe your cousin doesn't see it. You know, taking two hundred fifty thousand dollars for his mom's house is is an affront. And you, so I think that like um, yeah. because there's that scene where he's sitting down with his money manager and his money manager is trying to explain it. And there's a couple times where Curtis is like, well, you kind of like I felt like steering around like, well, you know, it's it's not important about where the money went. We need to get the money coming back in. Right. Um, and the fact that he fixed the fight, I think I think that's what Forrest Whitaker is at some point, like trying to get yep. him to appreciate that the people that you not only are a mess yourself, but you also the reason you're a mess is because you've largely put yourself in the hands of the wrong people which is that one that's the one thing like i felt like it was surprising that rachel mcadams didn't look at maybe she's just not good with money either because mm-hmm. like it seemed like her and 50 cent were on a pretty good terms right yeah um but i think 50 cents is fucking him just robbing so. him blind mm-hmm. uh the one person in his life uh after his wife dies that isn't fucking him although Man, this guy takes some abuse from him. Probably rightly so. I don't know. It's tough. That that whole situation with her dying was just like a flash, right? It's a blur. Who knows who's got a gun? How do you stop him from right. shooting? Like all that stuff. Mm. But this John John guy who's like, yeah. you know, his best friend, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's tough to tell, but part of his entourage. Um, yeah, yeah. And he gets pissed at him. He kicks him out of his house. He kind of blames him for the death of his wife. And then the the super like sweet thing that happens like when he loses his house and all his life crumbles out from under him john john comes back and he's there for him you know it, mm-hmm. it, billy gave john john a house he was, he was letting him live in his house when things were good and when things are bad he's paying him back right I, yeah. I thought that was super sweet yeah and like you know the one that you got one person that's loyal yeah that, that, that repays your you know i thought that yeah i i like that character as well uh, the other thing I was super surprised by, but probably shouldn't be given uh, the nature of boxing gyms and the hard luck cases that tend to gravitate toward this profession mm-hmm. is just how devastating it was like one blow after another. And it wasn't just in Billy's life, right? This kid, Hoppy, mm-hmm. who's like a member of the gym and his, you know, his dad's violent and 
assaulting his mom and then hoppy goes and is he he like doesn't stay at home one night and they notice but they don't do anything about it and then the next day he turns up dead his dad's mm-hmm. killed him because he tried to stand up for his mom mm-hmm. and it's just fucking heartbreaking right mm-hmm. it's like god damn everything is going wrong in this movie but yeah i guess that's just how it goes like you're gonna have a lot of hard luck cases in this thing and they don't turn out you know all roses that's why i said that's that's why I said his soliloquy soliloquy was so effective where he's like it's just all bullshit you know i tell him it's going to be all right that you can control your destiny that you can you can't control shit it's not gonna yeah um and that's just like you know that's like that's the thing that i think a lot of us are waking up to is that like there is still the concept of the american dream where if you you know get a do a good education and you work hard and you keep your nose clean that you will succeed the success is not maybe not rich and famous but you're going to be able to provide for uh, yourself and your family and be a productive member of society for increasingly big swaths of the population they don't feel like that is possible because yeah. and how like if you're jake like jake gyllenhaal is a is a walking lottery ticket yeah he came through this foster system with like no parents no family at all like you know like we're just like well is there anyone else is there a granddaughter or, or, or grandfather grand nobody else uh, mm-hmm. But him and Rachel McAdams, um, how? Yeah, like if he didn't have, know how to box, or like if Eminem didn't know how to it, didn't did, didn't rap, didn't get noticed by the right person, um, right? They're probably a statistic because it's just like the game is 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 rigged against you if you're not raised to like. And that's the thing; it's not even being raised right. It's about being raised by parents that don't beat you, that don't that that, yeah. that, that, that treat you that like you know that you can keep confidences and that that the, you, someone will look after you and, and and protect you and like keep you from developing the traumatic stress fight and flight responses that you're just going to like if if you know um you, you got like these kids growing up like soldiers in their houses and like mm-hmm. what the hell what the hell and then they get in trouble with the law because of course and then they go to the judge and they mouth off to the judge because why the fuck wouldn't they? And then they mouth <laughs> off to the parole officer and they're in it. It's like, or they the don't like you look at the example of Hoppy. We've had actually two uh, examples of this that we've just covered. We watched the movie Stand By right. Me uh, yesterday, and that has an example of a kid who's on the wrong side of uh, history here, right? Like he's yeah. in a bad family. The town thinks he's a shit. You got the same with Hoppy, who's in this violent family uh, that's just tearing itself apart and what does he do both of these guys do the right thing right they stand up like society should tell you that yeah the right thing here is to not put up with this bullshit and yet when you do that you get kicked in the teeth Uh, and in this case you get killed so like there's no way to win right if you're born into that situation and you try and do the right thing and you still get fucked yeah, it's like what does that say about this yeah what kind of shit is this what kind of shit is this yeah and like I said, it's it's a rigged game. It's the only game, and that's the other thing is like it's a rigged game. But like, if you don't play it, then you're automatically going to lose. Mm-hmm. So like, you still can, so I yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's a it's a sticky wicket. It's a sticky wicket because a lot of people that don't have those experiences will look at people like J- Jake Gyllenhaal. Is like, well, why didn't he just do this? Why didn't right. he comply with this? Why didn't he do well? Just because you got lucky doesn't mean it someone else will. Right? Yeah. Um. So it it's it's uh. It's out. It's it's like I said. Like I, I actually was somewhat surprised um, that the film arrived at a happy ending, or at least at a nice happy <laughs> space where we can lead. We we because like I was thinking that this might just be one of these like you know requiem for the dream kind of like raging you know, bull, yeah, or raging yeah, the one of those kind of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
Because like, you know, entering in that final fight, he's got six weeks to train. It's the most rigged fight ever. He's fighting against his former promoter, mm-hmm. his former trainer, a man complicit in his wife's death, who all he's got to do is whisper in the ear, I killed your wife. And like, it's fucking right. on. He's got, he just sees red. <laughs> um, but like, I really like, there's also like, it's, it's specifically the boxing stuff. I really like, cause like, I tend to like the gladiator type boxers, the ones that get bloody and like are game and put, you know, cause it's, mm-hmm. it's a big show. But like every one of those fuckers, late in their career like hardly are able to fight because like one or two punches and all that scar tissue in their faces opens up like yeah they like do a great job foreshadowing that right his they first fight job the opening minutes they're, they're he's already bloodied uh over he's, that eye and they're like talking about it oh is the eye gonna hold up yeah like that's why you can't take all those punches because it all adds up and then when you get into your 30s it like all starts going to shit i love that i love that like in response response to that the, the atticus taught him how to do that crazy cover-up style like <laughs> yeah, you just got it the- it's just all counter punching yeah you 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 block a punch and you make him pay for it there's also like i've seen pov punching before but uh-huh. like this was on a other level it's like good. i don't know what kind of rig they use because when they're punching at the lens it looks like the camera is taking that shot it really did feel like i was in jake gyllenhaal's body it's like i was playing that old punch out game where you're like the wire frame green guy and like it just really For felt sure. like I was taking those punches and I'm like I said I've seen POV punching before but mm-hmm. it's always been very highly stylized I've, yeah. it's never actually been worked for me the way this it did in this movie I agree and I think it's the the chaotic sort of disorienting nature of it because um, a lot of movies will do this POV but they'll try and keep you in like grounded in some perspective like oh we want mm. you to know that the person taking the punch here is this character this movie doesn't right. do that this movie yeah trades back and forth you see it from escobar's pov you see it from billy's pov and and they swap back and forth and it's very disorienting which really worked for me yeah Uh, there's one thing about that final fight okay one thing that didn't work and one thing that i think is more important that really did work um the thing that didn't work for me is that final well it's not even a knockout punch right it's the uppercut that levels escobar the, the knockout yeah it's not technically he gets back He's up right, right? Yeah, and so yeah. but that is all set up i think for the true knockout blow which is the scoring round the scoring portion of this because to me like that is i i, I wished they had done better with that punch because mm-hmm. i was like sort of nonplussed by the punch it was like well they mm-hmm. took a like a break before the punch there was like a moment of mm-hmm. like non-excited anti-excitement there and then they just came in and did the punch. And I'm like, oh, that was lackluster. But then to me, the thing is the scoring round, because you've got his manager, Jordan, who they do close ups on right uh, throughout the fight. And he's over there smirking and smiling, thinking Escobar's got him beaten. You in the back of your head, you're remembering the lines that he was telling to Forrest Whitaker about how we rigged that fight. And you're going, ah, shit, he's got to knock him right. out here. And so when Escobar stands back up from that, not what should be a knockout punch uh-huh. you're and then they're standing there with a split decision score and you're like oh fuck he's he's gonna do it again and this is gonna be a tale of a guy who couldn't quite make it back it, to me that was all like really really good setup for mm-hmm. the true knockout blow which is him actually getting the scoring decision and i also wonder like whether he beat himself and that like because he he did that blow blow 
to cost him a full point. Yeah. And I'm like, it's it's like I I I didn't do the math on the points. So I was like, man, oh, it'd be it'd be very interesting. Like they'd just completely trade places if he, mm-hmm. you know, just like Jake Gyllenhaal headbutts the ref that can starts destroying his <laughs> career. This guy, he's frustrated. This guy's older, slower, but he's still he just keeps coming, keeps coming. Ooh, give him a shot in the balls. Yeah. And like that, that cost him a point. I wonder if that like literally cost him the whole fight. It might have um, been. Because I, and I kind of like, I don't know if it did or not. I, I probably watch this movie again, but like that's what I'm going to, because like that would be nice for the theme that like literally none of the boxing stuff matters. It was all about the men's character and how they yeah. respond to stress and stuff. Because, you know, like that guy might have the better technique, might have won mm-hmm. with even a doubt like Curtis Riggin it. Or, Maybe he would have won with Curtis Riggin, but that put it outside of the rig. I don't know. I just thought that was yeah. something cool, too. But I did like I mean, it is like I do love a knockout that takes a guy <laughs> like an uppercut that takes a guy off his feet. Yeah, that has just flying flat. back like arms yeah, spread it, legs. And then out, the yeah. fluids are shooting off of him and it's filmed at like 180 <laughs> frames a second. It was it was a hell of a knockout yeah. or knockdown, I should say. All right, um, right. Like I said, I was pleasantly surprised that the movie had a happy ending. Uh, that mm-hmm. stuff with the daughter being like, ang- like watching him. I so much more affected to see the daughter in anguish about her father getting the shit beat out of him than it is to see like the you know the wife who's kind of been the wet blanket the whole movie. Be like, this is exactly what I was going to thought was going to happen. Yeah. Um, I thought that stuff was just like really amped up the stakes. Mm-hmm. Um and was very effective. And I've seen kids like cheering on her, but it's always been in stuff like uh, what's that Hugh Jackman uh, robot boxing movie where it's like he's not real really steel. in the ring. Real steel. He's not really in the ring. He's it's a box. His, his son's watching him getting his ass kicked at one remove. You know, <laughs> if you die in the ring, you die in real life. You die in real life. <laughs> if Wolf- yeah, if Wolverine's still jacked into Adam or whatever the fuck that thing is. Um, yeah. It's just it was is very effective, almost like to the point where I was like, "When is this social worker?" Because she started like literally getting, I feel like traumatized. Like, oh my god, he's hurting my daddy, and like, what's he doing to my daddy, and all that stuff. And I was like, "It's fine, girl. It's 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 okay." If it and she kept on saying, I guess like she said smart adult things like, "Hey, there's a doctor here, and if your dad was really in yeah. trouble, they'd call the fight." So, but still, it's got to be it's got to be traumatic to see the man that maybe killed your mom whipping your dad's ass on that and with with kind of like implied maybe your life hanging in the balance because like what mm-hmm. happens to daddy you know he's he just got me back in custody and we're living in a shitty apartment but if he loses this fight oh my god um yeah it's good good stuff it is i have two other things real quick uh first of all if you're ever trying to break your way out of a hospital bed and you got people around you trying to strap you down First thing you'd need to do is pull out the IV, right? So they can't just like inject you with some knockout drugs. Didn't he do that? And they just stuck him anyway? I thought they that oh, maybe they stuck the pattern was like, oh, the, the IV's been torn in there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. That's bald move rule number what, five. Eight? Oh, if you go to best out of a hospital, yeah. then start the IV because if they can just <laughs> the go IV. and give you some more happy juice, it's you're yeah. not going to get it done. Uh, and the final thing was when he comes out in that final fight, um, He's he doesn't play any ring entrance music, right? Right. And the announcers are all like, "It says one of the stupidest lines I've ever heard." Well, when you've got a crowd of this magnitude and the energy in the room, you don't really need music. I'm like, you fucking idiot! You guys have been talking up how this is a death match between the murderer of this man's wife and and this once superstar. You're not going to connect the dots between 
this being a moment of silence for his wife and and no ring music you're just gonna say well yeah. you don't need it because the crowd's so amped right that's stupid well it might maybe it's a deliberate commentary on how stupid commentators tend to be it um, might be yeah but, but yeah, the funny guess- thing is that's a real boxing commentator saying that line right so if it is a commentary on how stupid boxing commentators are sometimes mm-hmm. then that's this guy commenting on his own dumb ass right okay i'm i'm comfortable with that like, <laughs> if he's not smart enough to even realize he's doing it then then even fair more of a bravo yeah um this would be the fight of the millennia yeah. Can you even imagine oh, like this guy is like under shady circumstances involved in this guy's death and it caused him to lose everything, including his daughter. And this is all in the ES. So, like this would be the most anticipated fight of all time. It's the Drago fight, right? Is what it is. Yeah, maybe that's the, maybe the more it's like, the yeah, yeah, like maybe that's the, the most cinematic that like, but even then like killing your rival slash frenemy right. in the ring is a lot different than <laughs> Way killing different. your fucking wife uh, and the mother of your to, daughter. Yeah. Yeah. To, to literally lose everything, including your train. Like, you know, at least Apollo's trainer stepped in and said, we're going to build you them hurting bombs. But <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's just like, I was just thinking like, God, if that was real life, like I think people that are not even boxing fan, I might be the most lucrative sporting event ever. Yeah. Like, worldwide people would turn in. Cause it's literally, it's a, it's like an old fashioned duel, man. For sure. Yeah, it's like a combination gladiatorial event and a duel at the same Trial time. Trial by combat. There's a little uh-huh. bit like the Westerosi, you know, like the lets the gods decide who's guilty and who's innocent. For sure. Yeah. And I, man, at the moment that I realized what was happening in that Rachel McAdams scene, I'm like, okay, kill this motherfucker. Just get in the ring with this guy and just I want I want you to be Ivan Drago going to town on Apollo Creed. I'm somewhat surprised that, that like, because they played that uh, whoever his rival is. Like, is it Caesar? Was that his name? Escobar. Escobar. Ma- right, Escobar. Something magic Escobar. Yeah. Um, Because the way he played, like, when Rachel McAdams, like, he seemed genuinely horrified and contrish- contrite about the actions. Um, But maybe that's just, like, just, it just wore off really quick. Because, like, I was a little bit surprised to see him completely lean into the villainy. Like, in yeah. the, to the extent that, like, you're going to drop that shit on the in the 10th round uh, to see if you can make this guy go berserk. Um, yeah. But, uh, no, nah, yeah, that, that, that's the thing. It's like, that's I, I thought there would be more about tracking down the real killer or something. But, like, they that wasn't what that fight was. wasn't what the movie's really about. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the movie sets uh, an interesting tone right off the bat with the music it uses. Because he's got his headphones on, right? He's in the locker room. He's about to go into a fight. Up, yeah. Getting taped up. And he's playing I'm a motherfucking beast, right? This young gun mm-hmm. song uh, that's a fucking banger. And it's going to get you hyped. And that's in his headphones. But then we cut outside of his what's point, point of hearing, P-O-H, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and we get to this very soft, like, melon, not not melancholy, but like, mellow score and his wife is coming in and she's talking to him like she takes the Mm. headphones off you can you can feel that relationship dynamic in just the music i think you know it's one of the things that probably a very good uh music video director like antoine fuqua can do is use music in ways to tell a story and damn yeah he really does it here 
Yeah, there's a great a lot of great songs on this. Like the the you know Eminem's phenomenal that that yeah that made a lot of noise back in the day as a as a single. Um, it's good. It's good. I, I it's, in fact this guy. I know this is uh, James Horner's la one of his last scores. Uh, he 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 died in a, a plane crash, I think, uh, just at age sixty or something like that. Um, but I don't. Damn. I remember the licensed music. I don't remember anything like orchestral that he was doing. So yeah. I just remember uh, that one opening scene where he's got just a little bit going, and it's it's yeah. it's good. But shit, I mean, you know, James Horner, look up his uh, IMDb. He's gone, done so many fucking soundtracks for shit that you've, you've uh, 100% heard, hear, heard, you know, just Academy Award win. Here's just his Academy Award <laughs> uh, nominations and wins. Aliens, uh, Field of Dreams, Apollo 13, Braveheart, Titanic, one, uh, A Beautiful Mind, uh, Avatar, highest grossing of all time, uh, Braveheart. Like, it's insane the amount of music that he's he's made and how influential he's been in in uh, cinematic history and this was his his last scores i was and i was kind of listening to it because i had had seen that factoid but like yeah i Mm. i don't got nothing maybe it was like 10 percent when the plane went down or something but uh yeah it could have been check out magnificent seven that's got a good score and that was also another posthumous of his if you wanted to get get one of his last in Mm -hmm. Uh, anything else you want to say about southpaw i think that's it all right. Uh, again, thank you, Dr. DeVito, for commissioning another podcast. Thank you for all your support over the years. It uh, really means a lot to us. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast because uh, I certainly enjoyed watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Always a sucker for a boxing film. If you like to commission a podcast, it's super easy. All you got to do is go to support.baldmove.com. Check out the commission a podcast option. You pay your money. Uh, you put that what movie or TV show or whatever piece of media that's two-ish hours long that you want us to consider. And then uh, we will get in touch about uh, how to do the rest. Uh, So thanks for your support again, Doc. Uh, Mm -hmm. We will see you on the next prestige movie, whichever that is. We got a whole bunch of exciting commissions. I know the next one is Invincible. Uh, Is that Amazon? I think that was Amazon animated series. It's kind of like the boys plus and someone commissioned the first and last episodes, which I thought was a weird choice. But then I ended up in the meantime watching the whole series. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's one of the few that like that's kind of. That's a lot of the shooting match. Uh, so I'm curious to see what Jim makes of just the first two. I've seen the entire season for context. Uh, that's what we'll, I think we'll be talking about next. But uh, whichever one we see you on, we'll see you again real soon. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later. <laughs>